When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by GhostBed.com. Sit back, relax, and grab a fucking drink. What is up? Welcome back to Tomahawked. I am your host, Rob Fox, joined as always by Dan Holloway, and um, we watched a little baseball this afternoon. Yeah. There was one team playing. Well, one team was playing and one team wasn't, I guess. We were talking about this off air while the game was going on, but like, man, that was just getting, that was just getting like wasteful and brutal, Mm. like wasteful. So the Braves today, what, they beat the Pirates 14 to two, I think at some point, and it was the eighth inning when they like really ripped the game open, like seven, nothing. That's a big lead, but you can, any major league team could come back from that on a given day. Um, I mean, if you're willing to call Pittsburgh a major league team, I suppose. (laughs) I I don't know if that's accurate, to be honest. That's fucking fair. But, I mean, once it gets got to like 13, 14, nothing, I mean, Matt Wilson absolutely obliterated a ball for a grand slam with no outs in the eighth. Yeah. Uh, God damn. Like, that was, we were just like going back and forth, just like how we feel bad for, for Pittsburgh, who is easily the shittiest team in the national league over the course of the last I uh, 31 years, 41 years. Um, yes, hundred percent since 92, certainly since 92. So they made, they made the, they won the world series in 79. Mm. They made, uh, the NLCS in 91 and 92. Since then they made one wild card play in game that they lost. And that's it. Yeah. Um, like in the National League, especially in the National League East, every team in the National League East has won a World Series since 2000, except for the Mets. They won in '86, but they they were in the World Series in '99, and they've been in, they've they, been in, they, they were in the World Series in 2015. As in well. 2015, yeah, they've they've had multiple trips there. They just didn't accomplish anything. Uh, and then you look in the Central, aside, like the the Brewers. Routinely make the playoffs. Uh, the Cardinals have two uh, chips. The Cubs won. Um, the Reds, they've had some pretty competitive teams. They So the Reds beat the Pirates in that playing game. Mm. Um, the Reds made the playoffs in the COVID year, uh, played Atlanta. Um, yeah. And then they actually, the Reds were in the 95 NLCS against yeah. the Braves as well. Yeah. They don't exactly have a storied recent history, but for what it's worth, the Reds also it's not that clear. It's a long time ago at this point, but they won the world series in 1990. Yeah. So like, 
They've then, got one in Living Memory, kind yeah. of. I mean, yeah. so 79 is Living Memory, too, but, like, really, like, they've got one, I guess, what you could call maybe, like, modern era championship. Yeah. And the the then the West, the Dodgers have won recently. The Giants have won multiple times recently. The Diamondbacks won in 2001, and they've had some pretty good playoff teams in the middle 2010s. Um, Rockies have been to a World Series. I don't think the Padres ever have. They went to the 98 World Series. Uh, uh, won, won a World Series. No, they have, yeah, they've never won a World Series. But they've been, even now, like they've had some issues this year, but that is a very competitive team that's that's bent on winning. Yeah, like they're, they're spending money towards the yeah, future. Sure. That you, can, you could basically, and the Padres routinely make the playoffs. They don't advance far usually. Correct, yeah. But like they're always building like a winning team. And you can name... You know, back through history, like in the 90s, like Tony Gwynn mm-hmm. and uh, they had Kevin Brown on that 98 yeah. team. They signed him after he won with the Marlins in 97. Um, in uh, the 2000s, you know, they had like early 2000s. They had like Jake Peavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hoffman that whole Ho- time. Yep. Trevor Hoffman was there the whole time. And then uh, for what it's worth, it wasn't a good like they did it badly. But do you remember in like 2013 when they tried to just like take an entire build an entire team off of free agency and trades like yeah. they traded the, that's how the brave got max freed is the mm-hmm. padres traded uh with us for like upton and kimbrell and a bunch of people and and you know that didn't work but then they they fell to shit and uh drafted well and now they're back to a place where they're moving in a good direction still yeah. kind of a, a little bit of a clown show over there in terms of like Tatis with his PEDs and stuff like that. But I mean, like trading for Juan Soto is not a fucking joke. Like that's a team that means business. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know what the, the, I suppose wealth differences are between, you know, Pittsburgh and San Diego. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's, there's, there's a gap there. Um, but a lot of that gets absorbed by all the bullshit in California as well. So it's hard to tell what the actual, you know, like how, how much these people are actually able to spend on recreation is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and there's quite a bit more competition for recreation in San Diego than there is in Pittsburgh for recreation. Right. Cause it's hundred percent like, especially in the summer, it's just baseball. There's nothing else going on it's there. Baseball and whatever you can jam French fries yeah. into. And the, uh, Pittsburgh is like what two point six million two point eight two point eight. And by the way, San Diego is three point two. Yeah, it's but like not that big a difference, man. No, and lot a lot less competition. So I don't I don't buy the excuse that I hear a lot of people and and the business make about Pittsburgh being a, a small market because there's other commensurate teams with a lot more competition for their eye, for eyeballs there that are doing quite a bit better, and it's because they've brought in ownership groups or whatever that are committed to winning fucking baseball games, which is the point of all this, by the way. And if you really want to just prove that Pittsburgh's owners don't give a fuck about winning, it's that like, you know, they can whine and bitch all they want about where they play or whatever, their city, blah, blah, blah. The fucking Royals have a world series in the last 10 years. The Kansas city Royals. No, you don't get to pull the Pittsburgh card when that when sh- that's fucking true. I think Kansas City is uh, what's their metro? One point five, I think. It's I think it's relatively small. Uh, it 1. is two point three. It's smaller than Pittsburgh. Yeah, so it's like not really an excuse, is it? I mean, I, I think there's got to be, and, and we we've dealt with this relatively recently. I think it was twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen when um, the uh, 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 
the Marlins, the Pirates, the A's, and a couple of other teams got caught taking the revenue share from the luxury tax and just pocketing that money. Yeah. Or using it for infrastructure development, but not on players. They never use it on players. Right. Like, come on, man. What the fuck is going on here? If the the era in professional sports where you can be like what Donald Sterling did with the Clippers back in the day before he got, you know, ushered out of there, but the Clippers went to the playoffs like three times in 10 years, which is not good for a basketball team because no. there's a lot more people in the playoffs and in, in the NBA than there is in any other sport. Uh, but they, they made it to the playoffs, didn't do anything over that period of time, but they were the only team in the NBA during that recession period for, for the NBA that actually made money. Right. Yeah. Because of what they, they did the same thing that Tampa Bay does, which is grind the fuck out of people and get them out never mm. pay them. Right. You could do that back then. Now I, it's just like, you can't fucking do this stuff anymore. Not with the way that the, all the leagues have these uh, salary caps or luxury taxes that, that, you know, put money back into a pool that is, that's supposed to be used for, for uh, player uh, acquisition and development. It's a bad business model. Pittsburgh needs to be sold to somebody else. Yeah. It's really just that simple. And the same for Oakland, by the way, like Oakland and Pittsburgh, those teams need to change ownership. Uh, the angels are about to change ownership. It I looks for, like I forgot to put that in the rundown. We talk about it in a minute. Cause I mm. want to get into that as a whole separate thing. Yeah. But like one thing really quick with these, and you know what? I'll say this about the Angels really quick. Say what you want about Artie Moreno, but I mean, he brought over Shohei Otani, kept Mike, signed Mike Trout to basically a lifetime deal. Mm-hmm. Like that's not brought over Anthony Rendon. They seem more just like cursed than yeah, maybe. Uh, but with <laughs> Pittsburgh or any of these owners, by the way, what's insane is that clearly the best business model is to have a competitive team to win. Yeah. That makes you way more fucking money than whatever penny pinching short sighted, like let's just get into the black shit that these guys are doing. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like look at how, look at how flush the Braves are because of the last five years. Yeah. And obviously the last year in particular, mm-hmm. I mean, now it's like they have a fucking blank check to do anything they want. And Pittsburgh, by the way, they're not, uh, like Oakland, even where they're shoved into some crappy stadium deal, like they have a relatively new one of uh, everyone considers it one of the best stadiums in baseball. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they have shit around it, but that wouldn't be hard to do. I assume for them to build mm. like a ballpark village type of situation around it. Texas Live, what the battery in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's almost it's the type of thing with the Pirates where it's like losing is a choice for them. Well, I mean, they're they're choosing between a couple of options. One of them is to invest and in, and in players for the team, and the other one is to like just make money on being a professional sports organization, or maybe not lose money. Um, but you know, the idea that spending money on the team for for that year or for like a three to five year period, and you don't necessarily see results that that's a bad investment. Well, if it is, then every restaurant ever developed was a bad investment <laughs> because it takes about that long to become profitable, right? Right. And in this case, there's different versions of profitability. Uh, one is actually you know being a winning club, but the other one is like all the revenue that comes along with that. Um, you can be profitable without winning if you have a storied franchise, and I guess the Pirates... We're hanging on to that for a while, but that's just not the case anymore, man. They've, they have flushed that down the yeah. toilet. Like if you're Notre Dame, you can do that into perpetuity. Right. But if you're a professional baseball team that 
routinely trots out a triple-A team onto your field, it's just not going to work. Man. The only one I can think of that's ever pulled it off is the Cubs. But the Cubs are the Cubs, man. They were one of the first teams. So were the Pirates. The Pirates yeah. are an original team. The, here's the difference, though, is that the Cubs had sort of a, you know, Ole Miss is this way in college football where no people are going to show up to that school in particular mm. to support the team because the culture around it, the tailgating and stuff is yeah. so great and legendary that they'll come no matter what. And with the Cubs, it was the same way, right? The, the game was often an afterthought uh, where, you know, you, they just, you just go there to get drunk or whatever. Because say what you want about the Red Sox and people kind of unfairly compared the Red Sox to the Cubs for their whole curses that they had mm. going at the same time. The Red Sox won. They made World Series. Their luck, they had shitty luck in the playoffs yeah. or in the World <laughs> Series. The Cubs were just incompetently run, never made anything. They wasted Ernie Banks' entire career, right? Like Ted Williams played in World Series. Yeah, but they still hung on to the to the fucking brand, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what you really call it. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's just Pittsburgh can't do that, and they got outscored, I think twenty two to four in this series, something like that. Man, that's it's just gross. It's not enough. It's yeah. really it's just I like Pittsburgh too. Like I like their uniforms. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the stadium's great. It is literally a top five sports town in mm-hmm. America because it's the perfect combination of storied franchises yeah. and there ain't a lot else to do there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, so everyone really invests all of their civic pride. Like all of the New York teams could suck ass for the next hundred years and New York would not be short on civic reputation, civic pride or whatever. Yeah. But Pittsburgh, obviously... uh a different case. It's a bummer to see that. And yeah, watching this game today, I mean, you were just like, God, just end it. Yeah. It was, it was brutal, honestly to watch. Yeah. Like just please stop it. So with that win, the Atlanta Braves somehow, I think we talked about this a week or two ago. I know I've been on this show saying, I think the NL East is out of the picture. Mm. I think, you know, we're going to make the playoffs. It would be almost impossible to not make the playoffs. Uh, but I thought the NL East was out of the picture because we lost a ton of those, nine games we played against the Mets in that like week and a half stretch or whatever. Yet here we are after today's win, some fucking how only a game and a half out of first place again. Since June 1st, the Atlanta Braves are playing at a 116 win pace. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, this is one of the best runs I've ever seen. To be honest, I I feel like, It's it's just the fucking relentlessness of the one through nine batting order and having legit five starters on a team. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if the, it just doesn't, you don't see it very much. You don't see that particular combination really ever in baseball where like, so you'll see teams that have like a great, like the fucking, uh, the uh, Indians in 95, yeah. that offense was ridiculous right. from top to fucking bottom. Pitching was just okay. I mean, they had a couple guys that were o- doing Oral well. Hershiser was their number one. Yeah. Dennis Martinez was on the team. Yeah, he was their number two or three. It's like, those are good pitchers, but those aren't like, that. that's not a great rotation. And the Braves had a great rotation, and they were able to beat them with a so-so offense. Right. But the Braves now have, like, e- even more so, like the Dodgers had flashes of this when Taylor was performing really well and Turner was still turning in good at bats and shit. And Bellinger was at his, like his MVP season in 2019. 
that Dodgers team had what this Braves team had, which is top to bottom. A lot, I, I would say they their offense was probably a little bit better with more tough outs. They're uh, better at bats in yeah. the middle, and especially like from five to seven. That part of the lineup was they were just tough at bats there. But just having all these weapons all at the same time, it's it's pretty interesting to see what the Braves are capable of doing when they actually, you know, when all of it works all at the same time. It's That's, fucking scary. I mean, this Braves team is not, they're still not at 100%. No. Like, there's no Mike Soroka there yet, and Ozzy Albies is out. And honestly, um, Acuna is just okay right now. Yeah, you know he's I mean? not being Ronald Acuna Jr. Like, August has been pretty good. He's definitely seen the ball better now, but that's a new development. Like he, he got off to kind of a quick start, but it was a lot of a lot of his mistakes in there were hidden, uh, and they got exposed over the next two months, June and July especially. Uh, I think he hit like two eighty in June, but in July he hit two twenty. You know what I mean? Which is not right. very Ronald Acuna esque. And um, the power numbers aren't there. That they weren't no, and now in August, right? Uh, power numbers still aren't there in the way we're used to, but he's hitting three twenty. 404 on base percentage. Like you can tell he's seeing the ball better now. It's just right. a matter of making those jump. But to your point, anyways, uh, yeah, it's just now he's just now catching back up to speed, and we still have two major parts of the team out. Uh, and, and, you know, over the course of this uh, last two months, are performing as well as any team has ever performed, right? So, well, literally, yeah, I think he's in 116 the yeah. record. Um, What's weird about this team to me, and I was thinking about it today, um, and this could be more a product of my age, right, and where I am mentally as a human being, mm. uh, but, like, with those 90s Braves teams, with Maddox, Glav, and Smoltz, Chipper, all them, it was like, I, I, it, to me, it was like, yes, of course they're dominant. This mm. is what they should be. I almost feel like, watching these guys i'm st- i'm still kind of like how is this happening like this doesn't feel right like it's like it feels a little bit like a trick is being played why do you why do you see that i don't know if it's because again like i'm not a kid like i was a kid watching yeah. those 90s teams and there was a certain like sort of stoicism about them and you kind of knew even in the middle of the run you knew that there were at least three hall of famers on the team right Whereas this team, it's just so young that you still don't know if it's anything other than just like a nice collection of guys. Right. Um, and so that might be part. But I mean, you knew that there were, I mean, how many MVPs and Cy Youngs are on this current roster? Because Freddie's gone. So there's no zero. MVP. Yeah. On those, yeah. Ni- on those 90s Braves teams, I mean, you had. Well, by 96, when Smoltz won his, there was there were three. Three Cy Young winners. Least, right. And um, then, you know. MVP, I don't think Chipper, Chipper won. Chipper won 99. So. Yeah, it wasn't until 99, but yeah. But he was always capable. It, uh, 95 forward, he was definitely capable. So it's like, it's a good, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I, I look at this team and see the right pieces. Well, that's, yeah. And that's something that <clears throat> you didn't have. Well, you always had it on the 90s Braves teams, which is one through five in the rotation. There's never a free day, right? Yeah, I mean, five could get dicey sometimes in certain years, but for the most part, they had a, uh, at least somebody who on another team would probably be a two or three. Right. And even their nice four, I mean, I remember the second, we talked about this too, that the uh, if everything had shaken out the way their way, if they'd gotten the more more breaks, 
they probably should have three-peated from 95 to 97. Mm. And in that, like, 96, 97, 98 range, I think, something like that, like, their number four starter was Denny Nagel, who was putting up, like, ERAs under three and shit. So, like, you didn't even, it wasn't even just that you had, like, one through five was solid, which is, I think, more accurate of what the Braves currently Mm. trot out in their rotation. Like, Freed can be a Cy Young winner, for sure. Sure, Uh, Strider's insane, but he's still a rookie. Right. Right seems to fit the bill, but again, he's basically a rookie, isn't he? Um, I don't know how many innings he had last year, but yeah, he he's, he's if he's not a rookie, he's definitely. I mean, for effectively, yes, he is. Yeah, and then you've got Morton, who's a well-traveled veteran, and yeah. right now, Odorizzi. <laughs> Um, you know, when Soroka gets back, that'll be another Cy Young capable guy. Strider and Wright could, could be that type, but certainly there's only two I would say, feel comfortable saying right now have Cy Young ceiling, and that's sure, yeah. Soroka and Freed. Um, but the fucking lineup in the 90s, you never had this. There were always easy outs. Lemke, Blouser. Nixon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least Nixon was fast, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but it wasn't like, so he's the leadoff hitter. Yeah, he plays good center field and he's fast, but his career on base percentage was 343. That's not exactly great. No. that That's kind of mediocre for a leadoff guy. No. Um, it, the Braves were basically uh, two through five or six. Excellent. And then in the back half, that was the back half of those 90s teams when the... Uh, um, so really the 2000s at this point when the rotation started to deteriorate a little bit, mm. um, the lineup did get deeper. You know, you would go like for call Giles, Chipper, mm. Andrew, um, trying to think of other dudes on those teams, but it was a deep, deep lineup, um, a deeper lineup, but this lineup, and we've said it many times before, I don't, there's, there's higher highs in the lineup on other teams, certainly better hitters, mm. but like. I don't know who touches this one through nine. Well, it definitely isn't. So in the 90, the one world series, the Braves did, but in the nineties, Mark Lemke was their number two hitter. Yeah. Like that's fucked. And, and Raphael Belliard was their number eight hitter who he, well, he switched in and out with Blouser, but for the 95, uh, uh, world series, I don't think Blouser played. Did he, he did. Wasn't he injured or some shit? Belliard came a lot. It came in a lot as a defensive mm-hmm. sub. Um, they didn't, they never had a catcher who could hit. At any point, the '90s Braves. Um, until yeah, they had Javi until Javi Lopez came about, right? Yeah, uh, he won. He was on the '95 World Series. Yeah, team. yeah. Um, but he was always kind of. I felt like their their lineup was always kind of limited because Maddox refused to pitch to him. Yeah, even in the World Series in Game One of the '95 World Series, uh, fucking Charlie O'Brien was the starting catcher. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like the middle of that lineup: Chipper Jones, Fred McGriff, David Justice. Uh, and even Ryan Klesko and, and Javi Lopez at the time. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Right. That's five, four or five and then legit dudes. I but. think uh, the other one I forgot was um, uh, Marquise Grissom. Yeah. He was their leadoff hitter for that one. Yeah. Which he, and he's fine. Yeah. He, he's, he's above, above average hitter. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But it wasn't like, it, it was nothing like Acuna and uh, uh, Swanson, Riley. Olsen, theoretically Albies, uh, uh, and then, you know, fucking Darno or Contreras, and then Grissom, and then fucking Harris. Michael Harris the second. Man. That's, it's like not even close to that. That's obscene. Like it just doesn't, it's fucked up. And that's. But it didn't, and in this scenario, because of how A's put the team together, it didn't come at the expense of the rotation. As a matter of fact, 
making longer term commitments to these guys have actually made the rotation better. Right. And will continue to make it better as well, right? Over time and, and give them more flexibility for plug and play players as well as relief pitchers. So um I expect a lot out of these guys, and I think they do too, which which is really interesting because you don't see them panic in, in stressful situations very much. But it's very clear that they expect to win all of these games. Oh yeah. Um it, good for them. This is this next series, though, is going to be pretty interesting to me. Real, real quick before we get into that, yeah. this is one stat that I found crazy. They only have to go 22 and 14 over the rest of the season to win 100 games. Did you see 100 wins out of this team at the beginning of the season? No. What well, I mean, I didn't. It, was, it would have been hard to say, right? Because who's. I, I didn't know when Acuna would be back or Soroka would be back, although that hasn't been a factor. But we definitely didn't see Harris, Grissom. Well, I did, but. Uh, yeah, like I didn't expect Grissom. I expected Harrison Strider to be like legit com- uh, uh, contributors this year, but I did not expect Grissom to even be in the major leagues until I thought he was going to get his cup of coffee next year. And then <laughs> right. 24, he would be a starter, but fuck man, he's way out of schedule. So no, of course not. It's, it's, it's been a wild season. And of course, you know, this could end up being a situation like last year's NL West. Mm. We could win 100 games, legitimately win 100 games, and still not win the division. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, the Mets are going into, we'll get to this later too, but they're playing, uh, their, their September is fucking pretty easy. So Yeah, their September is our June. We will get into it. So, But coming up in this next series, uh, the Cardinals are coming to Atlanta, and I think this is going to be a really, really fascinating series because the Cardinals are red hot. Um, we have, the Braves have Strider, uh, going against Quintana on um, Friday. Uh, Jose Quintana was a uh, deadline pickup from the Pirates. Uh, Saturday is Charlie Morton versus Jordan Montgomery, who is a deadline pickup from the Yankees. Uh, and then uh, Sunday is, unfortunately, Odorizzi versus Wainwright. Um, Odorizzi has not pitched well for us. Wainwright has still been um, a very good pitcher for the Cardinals this year. I think... This is going to be a fascinating, really, as, as indicative as any regular season series could mm. be of the playoffs, which is to say not necessarily a lot. Yeah. But A, the Braves need to win all these games, and the Cardinals aren't necessarily out of the woods yet either. So right. they're, you know, they're going to need to compete. Both teams are going to need to compete. And B, what's fascinating about this in particular is, uh, even though right now the Braves are lined up against the Phillies in the bracket, um, Typically, when you're in the playoffs, you're playing very good teams that you're not super familiar with. Now, right. everyone is going to be pretty familiar with each other just because film is so good and yeah. all that stuff, scouting <laughs> so good. But still, when you're actually standing across the diamond from them, standing mound to plate, whatever, it's just not someone you're used to looking at, yeah. not the type, you're just not used to seeing them play in person. Um, and that's the way the playoffs typically go. You're not playing against your divisional foes typically. And so I think there's going to be that sort of uh, unfamiliarity factor that the playoffs have as well, which I'm going to find interesting. So you'll have the stakes. You'll have two teams. The Cardinals are 9-1 and one over the last 10. Mm-hmm. The Braves are, I believe, still 8-2, and two, even with the win today over their last 10. Um, what do you expect to see out of this series? I mean, I think it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating matchup. Uh, the standings, Cardinals are, they're five and a half up on the Brewers who are just falling the fuck apart. Yeah. Um, um, well, let's start with game one. That's, tom- uh, well, I guess this is airing tomorrow. So that's today. No, it's, it's Friday. 
Oh, it is Friday. We have an off day tomorrow. Oh, good. Good for us. Uh, yeah, so that'll be Friday. That'll be tomorrow. Um, I like this matchup, Strider v. Quintana. Quintana has not pitched well against the Braves historically. Uh, got lit up by them earlier this year. Also got lit up in his last start a little bit. Uh, and the Braves in general hit really fucking well against left-handed pitching. I yeah. mean, top to bottom, including uh, including their left-handed batters, although only one of them typically stays in the lineup for that, uh, or two of them. But, um, and the Cardinals are going to be seeing Spencer Strider for the first time. Second which time. means, or the second time, yeah. yeah. So, which means you're going to get to uh, see how he works his pitch development. In his last start, he was throwing change-ups in the first inning, right? Yeah. Because, you know, the change-up is a pretty good out pitch early on, but easier to track and get the bat on if if you're later in the game. So I think the second, third time through the order is when he started using a slider more. Yeah. Probably smart. Uh, definitely, that's definitely him learning how to pitch, right? Uh, even if it's just whatever, he's just, throwing whatever fucking Travis or, or Willie puts down. It's like, all right, cool, man. Like that's, that's pretty fucking smart. That's why Ian Anderson's in triple a right now. Cause he couldn't <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. He couldn't figure out another pitch to throw in the second, third times through the order. Um, so a guy that throws 98 to a hundred doing that now, it's kind of difficult to, to, to pin him down. I think that's a really good matchup for us in the first game. Is this the best lineup he'll have faced for the second time this year? Um, let's Let see. He's, he's went against the Phillies twice. So I think the Phillies might have a better lineup. It depends on who was there when he faced them though. Uh, this was at the end of July and beginning of August. They were still missing Harper. So maybe not then. Yeah, that's probably the best. So let's see who's Strider faced twice. Uh, oh man, what the fuck all this shit. Um, so he pitched against Houston, but that's obviously only once um you know the Mets that's not I mean the Mets are a good great team obviously but not a fun offensively the Phillies are the best I think the Phillies probably the best lineup he's faced twice so this will be I kind of think this might end up being the best lineup that he faces more than once he struck the Cardinals out 12 times last time well it's funny he pitched uh he he went up against the Phillies on July 26th and struck out six one run got the win, um, pitched against the Phillies again uh, six days later and struck out 13. Yeah. Like he, the second time he saw them, he fucked them up way worse Mm -hmm. than the first time. So it'll be interesting to see if that remains consistent because if you remember the first game against the Mets, uh, granted it was on the road, but didn't look too great. The second game against the Mets, he shut their ass down the entire game. Um, So, you know. I I was actually wrong. We'll be... This this series is in St. Louis. We already played them in Atlanta. I I had that backwards. Yeah, but e- either way, like he's every team he's pitched twice against so far. And look, it's a limited amount, I guess. Uh, since he's, when I say pitched against, I mean started against. Uh, I, I didn't look back when he was still relieving, but um, he's gotten better against the team that he pitches against the second time. So that's really interesting. But this is a quite a bit better lineup, I think, than certainly better than the Mets depending on what personnel they had on the field, because I think Segura missed some time mm-hmm. um, as well. And he's a big part of their, uh, you know, uh, he's one of their more difficult outs over there. Um, this is, this will be good. This will be really interesting. It's, I mean, it's like 
good to challenge these guys this young because if you can go like <laughs> at the when the playoffs start and uh Spencer Strider who's a rookie has beaten the Houston Astros, the New York Mets, the Philadelphia Phillies, uh and the St. Louis Cardinals provided he wins this game. Um he also went five scoreless or six scoreless innings against the Dodgers. Yep. Like he's pitched against some really fucking good teams and not had a whole lot of trouble with it. Like the the times he's had trouble were just kind of random didn't have command that day things. But yeah. dudes he, aren't tracking his pitches very well. His worst games were uh relief, relief, relief. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, at the, the Nationals. Giants at the Nationals, and then uh, the Mets did touch him up pretty decently um, yeah. in that one game in uh, early August. But, yeah, his other two, he's had two bad starts. Oh, he kind of had a shitty start against uh, Arizona as well, at Arizona. Mm. Bit of a pitcher's part, but it is a, that's a random. These are yeah. random bad starts. You're right. It's Essentially, it's up to Spencer whether or not mm. he, like, <clears throat> it's, I mean, like, based on those results, it's more or less... It, it, the team doesn't matter. Like it's yeah. up to how Spencer's going to do that. I, I will say uh, with that Mets loss, he had, they were getting some luck. They were getting some uh, soft hit ball. Luck. Yeah. And he had something to say about that too. He did. But uh, you know, for what it's worth, um, they were doing a good job being patient. He was going mm. deep into a lot of counts yeah. and um, yeah, the Mets were making him throw strikes. Mm. Uh, and you know, the more pitches you see, the better off you are as a hitter. So you know, they made their own, they, they, they were lucky, but they kind of made their own luck. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, so credit there, but I don't think the other teams did that at no, all. No. And it's interesting. What, what's really interesting is when he comes back against the team, the second time, even if he did have success against them the first time he does better. Yeah. Which is, you know, usually more exposure to a pitcher is a, is in favor of the batters, not the pitcher, mm-hmm. but it seems to be the reverse for him. And maybe it's a coincidence. We'll see on Friday for that. The next game is another one. Another left-handed pitcher, Montgomery for uh, St. Louis, which you know could be a benefit to us. Although he's been pretty fucking sharp this yep. year, right? I wouldn't throw him as, in a category of like just random left-handed and pitchers. Look, both—I know you said Quintana didn't do that well. I think his last start up, but both Quintana and Montgomery have been very good since coming to the Cardinals. They've mm-hmm. been exactly what they needed on the back half of that. The reason they're bearing the Brewers right now yeah, is yeah. because they didn't have a back half of the rotation. And now they've got two, three, or fours in the three and four slots. Yeah. So they're pretty good to go at this mm-hmm. point. Um, <clears throat> more yeah, we'll, though. We'll, we'll see how Montgomery does. I don't think the Braves have ever seen him before. Maybe some of the guys that have played in... Uh, yeah, I'm sure Olsen's seen him. Uh, yeah, in the, in the American League have seen him. But I don't know that he... Well, I guess he did pitch against them once last year. Uh, and all these... Riley, Swanson, Contreras have all seen him, and that's it. Um, but that's an advantage for him, especially a guy that's you know been sharp this year. And then it's Morton, right? I mean, like games two and three, you're going to see two of the best curveball pitchers in the history of baseball. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like those two guys, Carlton, Burt Blylevin. There's a couple of dudes on the list that have these incredible curveballs that have like long careers because of them. Um, but there's not, there's maybe like, fucking six or ten of those dudes you know what i mean they're right. just being able to control that pitch so well over time morton's definitely one of them i don't know what he's done against the cardinals historically i'm sure they've seen him plenty though oh yeah they've seen him a ton well i mean he played for pittsburgh for a mm. while and he's just been in the league forever uh three out of morton's last four starts though have been 
fantastic. And yeah. four out of his last five, for that matter. Uh, pitched six strong against the Angels. Got smacked around by the Phillies, but still gave us five at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then came back and pitched 6.2 against the Phillies. No runs, eight strikeouts. And then uh, what is this? Six innings, seven strikeouts against the Red Sox. We let up five runs. Uh, and then he dominated the Mets last time out. Fucking 12 strikeouts, 6.2 innings. And then came out against his old team, Houston. Six innings pitched, two earned runs, 11 strikeouts. And he was that game, uh, the Mets game and the, uh, and the Astros game. That is as sharp as I've ever seen his mm, curveball. Yeah. Yeah, he just had, I mean, the release point was there. Yeah. He's throwing. And, you know, I used to get. When he's not sharp, it's super frustrating because you see him throw that fastball to left-handers, especially that's over in the right-hand batter's box. It's mm-hmm. like 12 to 15 inches off the plate. You're like, man, that wasn't even fucking close. But it's exactly where the curveball begins, right? Yeah. So if you throw that pitch out there at 95 to 97, and then you throw a curveball that starts in the same trajectory and then fucking darts in right over the black, tough pitch to hit, right, for anybody. Um, and he's, when, when he's on, that's, he's got it. That's the pitch that he's got. He's, he, can, he controls that curveball. Um, th- that'll, this will be a really interesting game, right? I, I think I'm really curious to see if he can fucking, it, it seems like he's been getting better as the season has gone on, which you wouldn't expect out of a 38 year old necessarily. Right. Or maybe you would, I don't, I don't really know. Um, I would expect it out of a 38 year old sinker ball pitcher, but not out of a fastball curveball guy, but whatever it is, he's doing it pretty well lately. This is going to be, I think this is actually the best pitching or the best matchup of the, of the series here. It may not go that way. I just think this is the one that's the most interesting to me to see how these two guys perform. Yeah. It, I will say this, this, that one feels like it's obviously the middle game, but Mm. it feels like the rubber game because I just don't love anything about the third game. Let me see. Yeah. Okay. So Saturday's a night game. The Braves obviously murdered the pirates today, but that's the pirates. Um, pretty bad in day games this season. Mm-hmm. And then we have our worst pitcher going in game three against arguably the Cardinals best pitcher. Maybe miles. Nicholas has been better. Um, but you know, I think game one is advantage, uh, uh, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I think game two is a lot more even because Montgomery has been good this year. And yeah. Morton, while he's been good lately has still, I don't necessarily think you could file him under like consistent yet. No. So if we get good Charlie, then obviously I think that's advantage Braves, but we still have to get good Charlie. And then game three, I mean, I'm not excited to see Odorizzi face Arenado and, and Goldschmidt. No, that seems like we're going to see a couple of, uh, hung sliders go 5,000 feet, yeah. you know? Um, and for his part, you know, I think it's really important to, for the Braves to, to get in, to get deep into the bullpen before this game. Yes. Um, to, to work that bullpen. I think in game one, actually St. Louis is probably going to have to use three or four guys, which is, which is nice, but you got to put the pressure on that rubber game too, and not give them a break. Just go deep into counts because Wainwright's been going pretty deep into games uh, recently, but with low pitch counts, you can get them out in the fifth or sixth if you, you know, uh, uh, are are patient. And you know, that's not the Braves' strong suit, I guess. Um, 
you know, he's, they seem to have him at like 105 pitches. That's when he's going to come out, all things being equal, provided he's not getting blown up. Yeah. Uh, and you got to get him there as quickly as possible. Now, he's the last three games, it's been nine, seven, and six, respectively. But there's some fours in there. Uh, there's some fives. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, most of uh, July, he was, he was out, you know, before the seventh inning. So that, that to me, when you're talking about winning series and, and strategizing long term, even if you know the rubber game's not going your way, you still got to press and get into that bullpen. Yeah, like you got to you have to burn arms, uh, and I think that's something that the that if there's any weakness the Braves have, it's that working counts and making contact and 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 stuff like that. Well, and we did an excellent job of that. Um in the two series prior mm-hmm. against the Mets and to a lesser extent, the Astros, but especially that Mets series, it does seem like that's been a priority. I don't know if maybe it could be coincidence, right? Yeah. Who knows? It could, it, whatever, but, uh, it's, it does seem like they've been prioritizing that stuff. Yeah. I mean, we've done, we've done a great job of, of lately of getting into bullpens and the Cardinals, um, have a good, I guess, winning portion of their bullpen, mm. right? But they're, they're middle of the bullpens. It's rough. It's a weakness, yeah. yeah. And, and that's another reason to want to get the fuck in there. Um, yeah, but uh, game three, Wainwright, that's going to be a little bit of a problem. One thing that's going to be interesting, not necessarily from a uh, win or loss. So it could be from a win or loss stretch, but more just historically. So three right-handers going for the Braves, which means we probably don't see pool holes starting. Right, but we're going to see him against Mentor Matic. Uh, Dylan Lee, whomever, yep. whatever lefty comes out of the bullpen. He, Likely to see him yep. pinch hitting. 100%. We should have kept Will Smith just to help Pujols get to fun. I know, right? <laughs> uh, which we'll talk about more about that in a second. So the Braves had that big series come up. The Mets, meanwhile, are going, uh, or actually, I believe Colorado is coming to them. The Mets are entering. We talked about this a couple months ago. What we say, we said the Braves need to have a good June yep. to get back into the race to set things right because that was our weakest month out of the year. That happened fucking big time, and they really haven't cooled off much since that June. The Mets, now they get their June. Now they get their squishy part of the schedule, mm-hmm. and it's in September, which is, I guess, kind of nice for them. Um, they have three teams over 500 that they play in September, technically. Uh, the Dodgers, they catch at the beginning of September, though two of those games are in August. Mm. And then the Braves, they catch at the end of the September, although two, although two of those games are in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they catch the Brewers, who are falling the fuck apart in the middle. Um, that is it. The rest of the schedule is absolute dog shit. They, they, need to go, they need to be on fire this month. I mean, this next series, I feel like the Mets have been on a bit of a slide mentally. After losing three or four to the Braves, I think that dinged them a lot more than the Braves losing three or four to them. It didn't. Um, it's, I thought it, that was going to maybe not affect the Braves when they got mer- like beat up pretty bad in that nine-game stretch. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they obviously came right back since they're still a game yeah. and a half out. But, yeah, the Mets, uh, what they, they did take two out of three, or no, three out of four from the Phillies, including a really frustrating comeback win. Yeah, uh, that was a pain in the ass. But the Yankees... Lit them up. Yep. I mean, honestly, I, I I watched those games, and I didn't at any point think that the fucking Mets were going to win. Just like the body language was different. Yeah. And maybe I'm reading too much into it because that's what I want to have happen. But, <laughs> um, you know, this first series with the Rockies, I think this is a big one for the Mets. 
even though it is kind of squishy. The Mets are not that bad. Like they've had, they've run into, they've not done well against the East for some reason. Yeah. Um, uh, but they're 27 and 30 in the West, which is the most competitive division so far. Right. I mean, you're 27 and 30. You're only three games under 500 in a division with the best team in baseball Mm -hmm. who you have to play on a fucking regular basis. Um, and who is torching the West 35 and 12 against the West. The Dodgers are. Yeah. So it's like the, uh, the Rockies aren't as shitty as they appear to be. They, I I will say this. I watched a couple of their games again against St. Louis Mm. actually uh, a week ago. They got crushed by St. Louis. St. Louis obliterated them. They murdered them. Um, but you know, I we'll see on that. I think this is the kind of fucking this is the kind of series for a team like the Mets that can change the season. Well, you know? it's the type it is the type of thing uh it's I think a trap. We've, we've talked about this before too where it's like there's almost an undue amount of pressure to win these games. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's almost less relaxing in some ways because it's like oh my god like we have to win these games right like we can feel okay about splitting a four-game series with the phillies or the braves or something but like um and certainly someone like the dodgers who's not even in your division but the rockies like they suck like you need to you're going there's they should feel pressure to win three out of four yeah yeah and even to be honest if uh if the Mets split this series 2-2, two, two, that's a win for us. Yes. Yeah. This, if the Mets do not outright win this series, mm-hmm. that is a win for the Braves. Yeah. And I, but I could see them losing three of these four games, to be honest. Um, you know, the good news is I believe they'll have, well, for, they'll for sure have DeGrom in one of them. I don't, I don't know if Scherzer comes back up. I think he might be the last game. Hang on a sec. Did he pitch against the Yankees? Because that's... He pitched the first game against the Yankees, yeah. So then he would probably pitch in the Rockies series. Yeah, I think so. Let's see. They have an off day today as well, so. God damn it. I can't fucking read. So if it was Scherzer, then I don't know. Yeah, it'll be, um, well, I don't know who the other Mets pitchers will be, but it'll be DeGrom, then Bassett, then Blank, then Scherzer. Um, I don't, Taiwan Walker. Uh, could be, yeah. But that, the middle part between DeGrom and Scherzer, yeah. those are your, those are your opportunities right there. Um, honestly, in New York and not in Colorado, DeGrom probably goes seven or eight, if not nine, and shuts these guys out. Yeah. If there's an under on the score for, the, for tonight's Mets game, or uh, tomorrow's Mets game, I would probably take it. <laughs> yeah, they don't give that guy a lot of run support. And then, you know, they catch the Dodgers for three after that. Again, it's at New York, um, which, you know, nice for the Mets, advantage for the Mets, whatever. Uh, that does mean, though, that the Dodgers will miss Scherzer. Yeah, they're going to see uh, DeGrom. Walker, DeGrom, and Bassett in that series. So, uh, you know, Gonsolin, Haney, and Anderson going against them, I would say definitely advantage DeGrom in any matchup, but the other two are advantage LA. Yeah. Yeah, there's no really non-advantage against DeGrom. Yeah. Um, so then, but yeah, then after that, it gets real soft. And even with the Brewers, the only reason I mentioned them, obviously they were 500. They will be playing for their lives probably. And, yeah. you know, Burns and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Woodruff. Yeah, Burns yeah. and Woodruff. If they, if They're they still, like, they can go out and win you a game by themselves. Yeah. Yeah, so. 100%. We'll see how that all shakes out. I mean, it's, um, you know, as a, as a Braves fan, I do, I certainly monitor what's going on with the Mets, but I'm not too concerned about it 
frankly. Um, it, it's well, it would be nice to win the division, certainly have home field, although the Braves in the playoffs have not really needed home field to win. Um, Probably helped in that Dodgers series. Uh, yeah. Where we had a sort of like bullshit home field advantage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They were a wild card team, <clears throat> a 106 win wild card team. Yeah. But I mean, it, and at the end of the day, you want to be able to control your own destiny. The Braves just need to go out and win series. They need to win two out of three and three out of four. Yep. In, in these series. That's, well, it's really just that simple. And I, the bigger thing for me is I don't know how, how the buy will affect a team, but I guess I'd still rather be able to set up my rotation exactly how I wanted it. And again, in a three-game series, who knows? It doesn't matter. It could, yeah. Anyone can fuck anyone up. <clears throat> um, the Braves, meanwhile, over that stretch, not the hardest schedule, but they do have to play three at San Francisco, which has always kind of been tricky for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then three at Seattle is brutal because, A, the Mariners are good, and, B, mm-hmm. that is the most travel you can literally do in the major leagues. Yeah. Um, and then they also catch six against the Phillies, who will have Bryce Harper back. That'll be a three and three, I would imagine, right? Home and home and away. Yeah, it's uh, one in each park. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We've we've done pretty well against the Phillies this year. Um, with Harper earlier in the season, <laughs> I, I don't remember how those went, but lately handled them pretty well. Um, I'm not terribly concerned about the Phillies, although it does just pile on, right? If you're at the end of these hard-ass fucking road trips, that does pile on. Yeah. Um, Where do you see Atlanta at the end of September? What do you think is realistic? Now, the end of September, not quite the end of September, we'll say before the last Met series, which is the last day of September. uh, I think they'll be in the lead, to be honest. Like, I just... I expect the Mets to do Mets shit, (laughs) honestly. I really do. I expect them to collapse always. Um, and that's, I, I, I didn't just make this up. It's been happening for a very long time yeah. with them. They're not quite as bad as the Knicks as an organization, but they're pretty fucking close. They've done so much dumb shit over the years. Um, now they've made plenty of good moves this year, but they're getting, and they're getting uh, more or less a career year out of Francisco Lindor. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment. Uh, and it doesn't look, even if that continues though, some of the other guys, like I, I don't expect that fat dude to carry over this run into oh, the Vogelbach. Yeah, into the fucking playoffs. It's just he's there's there are giant holes in his swing. Um and you've seen those more and more get exploited here lately. Like uh he has a really hard time. I mean, when Morton pitched against them, he couldn't fucking he, he had no idea where that curveball was going. Right. Like he looked like a child up there. Remember the, especially the, the high fastball that Morton threw him, uh, for the, in the last at bat where they face each other. Uh, he, he flailed at it. Like, you know, like I, nobody should be doing that in major league baseball. Um, so I don't know, like it's just, there are, I really don't trust that offense to be able to score them runs. Yeah. You know what I mean, and and win games. I just don't. I don't see it for them. So I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna lose some games that they should definitely win. And I think we're not because this team is pretty locked in. It's they've never had a bad. They haven't had a bad month this year at any point. I'm not sure they've been below 500 in any single month. You talking sport. about the Mets? Yeah, yeah. Uh, June was that lined up. That I think June might have been their worst month, and that lined up with our best month. Let me look what they are really quick. Uh, fuck. It looks like they were about 500 in June. And that was the month where, uh, 
the balls stop finding holes. Mm. And granted, they played some good teams this month. Uh, played four against the Dodgers, uh, four against the Astros, of which they lost all four. Um, three against the Brewers, who they took two, and that was when the Brewers were better, took two or three from them. Uh, the rest of this is like Marlins, Angels, and then they lost two or three to the Padres, who I guess were okay at that point. I, I don't even know. I don't remember. It's a, this was a mixed bag of opponent, I'll put it that way. And uh, yeah, I don't, so harder schedule than they're, than they're playing now. We'll see. It really, it honestly almost has less to do with who they're playing and more to do is if, if they're finding the holes, yeah. having good at-bats. Because they're not, with the exception of Alonzo, even Lindor doesn't do this, with the exception of Pete Alonzo, they're not the type of team that can uh, punish you really quickly. No, not really. I mean, it's, yeah, they, they don't have that kind of lineup. I, I just, I don't know. I don't even know if what I'm saying makes any sense. I just kind of feel like the Mets will fuck it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, I feel really confident that the Mets will fuck it up. I think it's going to be uh, somewhat of a repeat of last year. We're going to go into that series, just like we went into the series against the Phillies last year, and the division's going to be on the line. Maybe. I mean, it, I, I, it, it will probably be within a couple of games, right? Yeah. So we'll see. That's going to be a big series, and it'll be – I like when that happens too because it gives your fucking guys – the opportunity to get into playoff mode right before the playoffs, yep. get tuned up and all that shit. I think that's an important thing. Having off days and extended periods of time between being in that competitive mode mentally, I think fucks people up. Yeah. I, like it takes you a game to get back into it. And by then it might be too late, especially in a fucking five game series, best of best of five where you can lose three games and you're done. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. And I'm going to be drunk that entire time if, oh, we yeah. have to, if we have to play three against the Mets for the division let's say we go in down one or I mean you know hopefully up one mm-hmm. that's gonna be fucking brutal now that is not the last series of the year now there's uh, what Washington after that for I them think, and, and we get the Marlins we get the Marlins yeah so that's yeah. as long as we don't run into Alcantara I'm pretty right, yeah. pretty happy about that um, two real quick things one I forgot to put one of these on the outline but two real quick things one Pujols is on absolute fire right now does he get to 700? I believe he's at 693. So he needs seven more over the next month and a half, basically. A month plus two weeks of games. Yeah. I don't know. I doubt it. You know? I mean, I, I, I was listening to Buster Olney this morning, and he was talking about how he's been around people when they get close to milestones like this and it like re-energizes them or whatever. Yeah. Um, maybe that's real, but there's also been like, how long did Maris sit on 59? Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I could see it both ways. I don't think that Pujols is affected by the pressure necessarily. No. Like he is a professional hitter. I, I think he goes up to the plate every single time looking for one pitch and he, if he gets it, it's going out. Yeah. Most of the time, and if he doesn't get it, then he's probably going to ground out or strike out. That's what I think. And, uh, you know, if he plays in some meaningless ball games and look left, left-handed relief pitching in, in the National League especially is not all that great, except for a couple of teams. Yeah. So if he's getting into bullpens and, you know, yeah, maybe. I, I think seven home runs is not that much for a guy like that. Uh, he's hit seven... Before yesterday, he had hit seven in his last 10 games. Yeah. 
I so mean, he just started ripping them off. Yeah. I think the real question is whether or not Aaron Judge is going to hit fucking sixty-two. I think he's going to hit sixty-four or five. Honestly, is he still at forty-eight? He's at yeah, he's at forty-eight now. But he just hit two in the last two days, and he this guy is a bunch like a bundle home run hitter. Yeah. He hits a when he hits them, he hits a lot in a row, and it usually is like. 13, 14 in a month kind of situation. You know what I mean? He can easily do, I mean, like he's got a month and a half left too, and yeah. he can easily do fucking, you know, 13, 14 in that time span. I want to see who they play, uh, who they have coming up here. I mean, he hit 12, 11, and 13 in May, June, and July. August was kind of a down month for him. He only He's yeah. only got six so far, but now two of them are in the last two games. So, you know, he might get up to 10... Uh, uh, this month before the end of the month here in the next six days. That's I, I think the next seven games are going to be pretty big for him. They are against the A's and the Angels. <laughs> mm, is it uh, in New York? Nope. It's all in. It's all away. Mm. Angels, that's a good park, park to hit in. Oakland is not a good park to hit in. But uh, Aaron Judge is not hitting wall scrapers either. This dude's hitting like 450 foot home runs. Right. I think the ball he hit, I think his 48th last night was a 453 footer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is a big, I, I, I really do think that he's going to break this record. And the interesting thing about that is going to be, he's only played 120 games this season. How many do you miss? Uh, should be right around 120 games. Like for the year, I think he's missed some games. Hang on. Seven. What are the Braves? Seventy-eight Seven. and forty something. We're right, we're right around one hundred and twenty games. Uh, yeah, he's a he's missed four games, okay, so not yeah, much. That's, that's fine. So, uh, the the question for me isn't whether or not he's going to hit sixty-two. It's whether he's going to do it in one hundred and fifty-four games or less. Okay. Right, because I think that's important. I think. Uh, if he hits, actually, if he hits 61 in less than 154 games or in 154 right. games, to me, that's the record holder without an asterisk. Right, because that's what, that's what yeah. Ruth did. Yep. So actually, his last seven games are also really important. These next seven games, and then I think these last seven games are even more important. So his last seven games, he gets three against the Orioles in Yankee Stadium, mm. and then four on the road against the Rangers. I mean, even at Toronto, that three-game series before the Baltimore series, yeah, Toronto's a pretty fun place to hit, too. Yeah. And then he plays Boston cool. and yep. Pittsburgh at home before that. Like, there's a lot of home runs in these fucking games. To be had, especially yeah. that Pittsburgh. I'm sad it's only two games. Yeah, that, they should just have him exclusively play against Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's exciting. I like seeing stuff like that. It's fun to watch records get broken. It is. It's fun to watch. That's. I, I like that there's two chases. I like mm-hmm. the chase for 700. I like the chase for 62 yeah. or 60, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, real quick, uh, the Angels for sale. Mm-hmm. Please move them to Austin. Yeah, Are we like this, bringing that to life somehow? Uh, we've been trying to speak it into existence. Uh, I made a vision board. I called Ty Pennington. He told me to stop calling him. <laughs> uh, how did you get this number? All that stuff. Uh, you know, obviously I had no answer for that. So whatever, but <clears throat> um, yeah, it would be great to have the Austin angels. It's alliteration. It already works. It does. Right. So that's why they changed the name to Anaheim before for alliteration purposes. It just, I, this is a this is a good fucking baseball market too. 
Like people love baseball around here. Oh yeah, like people you go don't. to the fucking stupid AAA game up there. It's I've never seen that place not packed. Well, and another interesting thing is so like Texas, they talk about it's football country, and the same with the the rest of the South, the SEC, mm. like Florida and, and Georgia in particular, and it's all football, football, football. It's what you hear about, but really like. As far as professional baseball goes, yes, I think the biggest fans are in the Northeast typically, mm. and then you've got St. Louis, Chicago, and then like Dodgers fans, mm. right? Those are really the like gold standard of fan bases. But in terms of the sport of baseball, it is as much in the blood in the South as it is in any of those places because these people play it year round. They 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 are upset. like I think it's other than football the sport that they want their kids to play the most mm-hmm. that they get excited about their kids playing the most. Um, I mean baseball is everywhere here. The other the the two sports of people I meet who play who played here as a kid played seriously as a kid. It's football and baseball. Mm-hmm. It's not basketball. It's not fucking soccer or anything like that. Like it is this is football and baseball country. I agree with that, and it's I mean. Just the way the the way this area is developing, um, the plans for the the high speed rail between you know San Antonio and Dallas makes that a lot more feasible. I think. Yeah. Uh, and it also creates new rivalries in the area, which is always nice. Oh yeah. I mean, it, for a while it was Houston in the National League and Texas in the American League, and it wasn't a big deal. Now they're both American League teams. Um, I don't know if it would make sense to bring a third American league team to the same general region. Yeah. So they may have to fucking flip flop somebody, but that's not even a, like the rules are the same now. So I don't know if that's even a thing. It's, Maybe nobody cares about that it's anymore. It's not that big a deal. I mean, I guess if you really wanted to, because who gives a shit mm. flip flop the angels and diamondbacks. Yeah. Right. Like it, it doesn't matter. I, I look, why not? I mean, there's no, there wouldn't be a fucking, uh, uh, American League team in the in the Southwest anymore, right? In the in like Southern California anymore, there would just be Oakland in Northern California, and then four uh, or three National League teams, and plus Arizona, which is another one, right? Right. So, I think for TV market, because that TV market for uh, Arizona pushes all the way up into like fucking Utah and shit. It's yeah. like way up there. So I think yeah, maybe you need to split it up a little bit, but. The main point is just send us a fucking baseball team, please, please. for the love of God. Yeah, like, like Los Angeles doesn't deserve uh, two baseball teams. No, they don't even support it. Like yeah. it's in you know Orange County is a fine place and everything, but they don't fucking mm-hmm. care about the Angels. You see more Dodgers hats out there, yeah. even there. It's just it's just that team is it's just redundant. Mm. So give it to give it to Texas. What's that kid's name? Before we get out of here, that that. Shortstop that we fucking traded, the minor league guy. Or no, I'm sorry, Drew Waters actually is the yeah. one. Drew Waters got called up, I think. He did to the Royals, yeah. Yeah, so has he played any games yet? I haven't really been following him much. Uh, he might have played his first game the other day. Let me check. He is definitely on the major league roster. Let's check this game log. He has not. He's got two two games. Yep. Play- okay, yeah, he's played Six two at games. bats. No hits. One walk, one RBI. Good for him. Yeah, I'm glad he's uh, getting to play somewhere because center yep. field is not going to have it for him in Atlanta ever. Now we're full. Yeah, we are fucking full. Uh, that is all I got for today. Yep. Yeah, it's just like-